Hey everybody, welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Michael Levan, and today Christina and I are going to be doing a KubeCon EU recap. Now, if you are, depending on when you're listening to this, you are going to uh, hear that I'm introducing Christina once, and then I'm introducing <laughs> Christina again, and the reason why is because we pre-record these episodes. Typically, they come out uh, a month and a half to two months later after we record them. So Christina and I, uh, you know, we introduced Christina uh, in a previous episode, which is coming out in the future. <laughs> and, and yeah, schedules are all, all mixed up. But the long and short of it is Christina is now officially a host on the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. So Christina and I will be, you know, do, doing this podcast together and interviewing people and, you know, chatting all things Kubernetes and containerization, and all that good stuff. So Christina, uh, I'll re-welcome you which is in the future, but also in the past. And it's, again, very weird with the way we're scheduling this. But hello. Hello, hello. So, uh, yes, hello, everyone. My name is Kristina Devochko, and uh, I'm really psyched about joining Michael uh, as a co-host at uh, Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. So uh, whatever the timing is, the, this is awesome, <laughs> awesome uh, opportunity for us to collaborate on uh, some exciting, exciting discussions about all things Kubernetes. So I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, I, and I'm super happy for you to be here as well. Um, there are a lot of folks in the community, but I, you know, I always follow everything that you're doing in your blogs and your content that you're pushing out and it's always awesome stuff. So, uh, you know, as, as we were kind of thinking, you know, we, as in, you know, the Packet Pushers Network and, and myself and stuff, as we were thinking about a co-host, um, you know, it was, you know, Christina was the first person that popped up in my head. So I was like, yeah, we definitely got to try our best to get her in here. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's, uh, I'm really happy for the opportunity, and uh, likewise, I uh, I always follow your uh, your content as well. And this this is really cool to be able to collaborate together. So I think this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and and I think the overall collaboration in general, it's you know, w as a self-employed individual, having the ability to work with other people and team up and stuff, it definitely makes things far more enjoyable because. Other, other than that, you know, I'm just working with myself. And although there are several conversations that happen in my head, uh, whether or not I want them to be there, there's, there's always stuff going on, but it's always nice to be able to talk to other people outside of talking to myself because then you go crazy and we don't want that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and together we can bring much more value to the community. I Absolutely. Am. No, yeah, 100%. So win win. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, even, you know, the, the talks that I'm, you know, hoping to do in the future and stuff, I always want to be able to have panel discussions and collaborating because, you know, it, it brings that other, um, just the other side of it, right? Like the other opinion, because really, you know, it's, it's the, <laughs> the ironic thing about doing what we do, you know, creating content and doing all that stuff, even though we're getting the information, outside of our brains, you know, whether it's written or whether it's a recording or whether we're looking at docs on Git or, or whatever the case may be, because there are a million different ways to think about what we do and implement it in this and that, you know, we're, we're really giving our opinion more or less. Mm. And because of that, it's always good to have somebody else there, right? Because you give your opinion, somebody else gives their opinion, those opinions come together, perhaps even a uh, uh, a more straightforward and, and better outcome comes out of it, right? Mm. So it's, you know, it's always good to have the ability to collaborate with others and absolutely. 
Totally. And yeah. uh, even regarding our discussion today with KubeCon and CloudNativeCon uh, event, I mean, I enjoyed so much joining some of the panel discussions that have been happening because you get all those different perspectives on the same topic. And like with even with the documentation, you know, the challenge of that is you may think that it is clear and understandable and straightforward to implement, but you will probably find many, many others who do not necessarily think the same. So, you know, getting that dialogue going could uh, could bring so much value to all the to all the participants yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. and i think something like kubecon where it was i i, I wasn't there personally but I believe it was over ten thousand people or something oh, yeah. crazy number like that and you know i think when you get <laughs> that many engineers in a room uh you're bound <laughs> to hear several opinions on the same thing oh. <laughs> Which and is, the really heat, heated ones uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. And, you know, that's a good thing because um, if you have the ability, and everybody should have this ability in one way, shape, or form, to take your ego out of it and listen to all the opinions and then form your own opinion. Nobody has to know your opinion. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to, but you can take everybody's opinion say, oh, that makes sense. I wasn't 100% sure of that one, but you know, this piece here made sense. And then you formulate your own opinion. And I think that that's a great way to even go about just like overall implementation. You know, if you're one of the big things that I heard uh, that was just, you know, huge at, at KubeCon EU is service mesh. And mm. there's so many different ways and tools and, and, you know, products to so many different paths to implement uh, service mesh and you could listen to 20 different discussions, write down some notes, digest, and then the next day mm. or two start to pick pieces out of it, write it down on another piece of paper. And then before you know it, you now have your implementation of how you're going to be implementing service mesh in your environment. So there's a lot of different things that can come out of it. Mm, totally. And uh, that's why I always uh, I always think and say that there is no one size fits all. There are so many different use cases and projects and you can't just go out and say this is the way to do it and it will work for everyone else because this is really hard to achieve in terms of so many, many factors, both like the culture and the amount of people, the budget, whatever. But, you know, getting that broader picture of your possibilities, of the opportunities and pros and cons of which can make you help, uh, can help you make a more informative, a better choice for your specific use case. And that's why I also think like panel discussions are good because you get to ask some questions that can be uh, really important for you in your specific use case and help get help from those who have experience in the same but at the same time i think it's important at such conferences also to create that safe space to, for the others to feel secure about sharing their opinion without like getting getting personal uh, yeah. and you know being judged or uh, letting someone express that this was a stupid question you know and i think that kubecon and cloud native con is like a conference that has been really good at it uh, and really strict like on the code of conduct which is really really great no yeah that's that's arguably that's the best thing that i've heard about uh the conference so far is the the mm. fact that you have the ability to ask questions and feel comfortable asking those questions because you know you've been in engineering for a long time i've been in engineering for a long time 
back in the day, I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, it was difficult to have that. Like you would walk into a room with other engineers and if you said the wrong mm. thing or asked the wrong question, everybody made you feel like an idiot, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of like how it used to be back in the day. But with the way that, you know, again, like you said, the code of conduct that, that the CNCF creates and all of that, it truly is at this point, a safe space for everybody to feel how they want to feel and say what they want to say and be comfortable with it. And that's an important, uh, human right. <laughs> general mm. even outside of tech uh so you know sometimes you know in in life you you can't be that open depending on who you're around so luckily you know in the te in the tech community in today's world it's it's far better from that perspective yeah and uh, like uh, here we also have quite many students that are attending these uh, these events or maybe uh, members of underrepresented communities and mm -hmm. people that are considering transitioning to tech or are considering to like uh, learn and work more in in this domain and you know uh, giving them that space giving them the opportunity to learn from us and share our experience is is really really important for the next generation of the tech community members yeah. so um i think this uh, this is a great space uh, for for all of us who are interested in tech <laughs> yeah no i, I totally agree <laughs> with you 100 percent. yeah it's super super crucial and important and for everybody that's listening don't ever feel like your questions are stupid don't ever feel like you won't fit in don't ever feel like you know you can't have an opinion um there is a difference between having opinion and being uh can't curse on this podcast not a bad person <laughs> right um th yeah. there's obviously a difference there between those two don't get them confused but yeah you should have the ability to feel how you want to feel be who you want to be have the opinion that you want to have incredibly crucial uh life goal in general right um yeah. so the the biggest things that i saw and again i wasn't there but uh from what mm. i heard the, uh, the the biggest things were service mesh, various plugins like Cilium, um, mm. and the, the the overall landscape and the various tools being built on top of Kubernetes. That, that was mm. th those were the three biggest things. Like I heard a lot about service mesh and I heard a lot about Cilium. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, I agree with you that uh, this um, the topic of service mesh has been one of the most popular ones. I mean, uh, the presence of Isovalent is that is the company behind Silum uh, has been really strong. It was very visible. They had their own Silum con during the co-located event that was happening the day before the main conference. And they had, I think, around 15 talks on the different areas of how Silum could be used. And that was really popular. I need to say there have been so many sessions. There were like 20 tracks in parallel. So I am waiting for the recordings to become available because that was not humanly possible to like get everything all the information out of there while we were there but that was definitely one of the one of the areas that got a lot of traction and attention and specifically what was interesting is also in uh, using like service mesh and specifically like silum in context of creating integrating 
different cloud providers and even on premises. So for instance, like Silum, they released during the conference something called like Silum Mesh, which mm. was which will kind of be like a new networking layer that you could use to integrate uh, even non-Kubernetes running workloads to your Kubernetes uh, clusters that may be running on different cloud providers. And that's, that looked like really, really exciting. So that was totally one of the everything like around multi-cloud, like running the hybrid cloud setup in, in terms of Kubernetes, how you could do that, how you could run on bare metal with restricted networking, everything around that was uh, took quite a big place during the conference. What I also liked during the event is, and I felt was like an emerging uh, track that I think will just grow in the coming years was kind of all the green software and sustainability track as well. And specifically in terms of like Kubernetes and how you could, you could create more resource, resource efficient clusters and reduce energy consumption on your nodes. And there was, we had, a, there were a bunch of talks already, like I think four or five at least. And this is the first time I could see at least so many talks on that topic as well, which in a way kind of also connects to the resource optimization and the cost reduction aspect to some extent as well. So this was also something I have seen like becoming more visible and even being mentioned during the keynote, like with the carbon aware scaler from Kida, which was announced during the keynote at KubeCon and CloudNativeCon, which is also super excited, uh, exciting, and I'm gonna definitely <laughs> test it out. So yeah, those are kind of the areas I have seen getting a lot of focus and attention this this year. Yeah, and I know that that's a big thing for you. You you did a talk on it as well while you were there, right? Yeah, I think I I wore quite a many hats this this time when I was at uh, at the conference. Like it was my first in person conference, like uh, my first in person KubeCon and Cloud Native Con, and it was like huge and sold out. But I was also a speaker, a part, a an attendee, and I was uh, I'm also a KCD organizer, Kubernetes Community Days, which we are planning to organize in. Norway next year and also a CNCF ambassador so it was like I got to see it from all the different perspectives which was like super exciting uh, and yeah one of the talk I did was uh, also about like how uh, how we could create a more uh, greener Kubernetes clusters and how to, we could create more resource efficient workloads and what concrete actions we as techies as technologists can do and it's uh, and also that it's up to us that we have a lot of power here we all the decisions we take in our everyday and how we build kubernetes clusters will contribute to the total total impact so right. uh, i feel like the engagement was really good as well so uh, that was really positive yeah no that's awesome yeah it sounds like you did quite a lot uh over there it's yeah <laughs> and and from everybody that i heard from uh, everybody needed a vacation afterwards because it was a lot yeah <laughs> i feel like i am still recovering from it <laughs> and it's it's hard because you want to talk to you also want to talk to people you get to see there like from the community and from the different companies that's where you get to see them in person but you also want to get uh, to hear some of the content as well. So it's like a constant balance right, <laughs> you exactly. need to make. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm also going to mention something that, that that's probably not uh, 
maybe not everybody's feeling this way uh, and apologies if you are not, but I think a conference reaches a point where it's a bit too much. You know, like you, when when you have all of these different tracks combined with all of these different tools and platforms combined with the idea that you want to be able to talk and collaborate and communicate with people, KubeCon's a lot. Like you got to, yeah. I, I think if, if it were me and I'm going to be going to uh, the next KubeCon in Chicago, I'm going to look at the days, the schedules, the tracks and I'm going to make a conscious decision before I go. Mm. I'm going to follow this track and this track. And that's it. I'll get the mm. recordings afterwards. Look at the other ones. Because you you kind of almost like burn yourself out and make yourself go crazy and feel like, oh, I missed that one. I, I'm not going to be able to be caught up with this technology and that. And so it ends up, I think, becoming like a little bit too much after a while. And not necessarily that it's a bad thing. It's just like. I could see how it may make people feel like, oh, like I miss that. Like it makes them feel bad about it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to to find ways to protect yourself and take care of yourself during the conference. And I think it's also important. I would like to mention it today, like for the other community members who could relate. Like myself, I am quite an introvert so mm. even though it may not always seem that way but i it's it's quite exhausting and requires a lot of energy to be a lot um, among many people where a lot of things are happening and kubecon is like the how do you say the culmination of it all because there is so much happening and you you are you have this real fear of missing out so mm. there are even tips and tricks that are available on the internet if you search like how you could uh, take care of yourself during KubeCon and CloudNativeCon. <laughs> and I need to say, yeah, I did the same like you mentioned. I had a plan. I used like the agenda planner from the tracks that I want to follow uh, where I would like to be present live and maybe engage with the speakers. And when I got there, I didn't get to be in all of those sessions because it just Sometimes you just value more standing there and talking first to some of the people you finally got to meet. So mm -hmm. I skipped, I had like to skip on one session because I got to talk to one of the community members on the same important topics of the synergies between open source communities and companies and the right. importance of that. And that brought me much more value at that point right. uh, than go, than like breaking it up and going to the session. So like, uh, do do plan, but still uh, prepare for that. It may change. Mm -hmm. Kind of find find the quiet corners which uh, such conferences typically have uh, for you to like recharge to sit for yourself. They even have like um, pins that you could use. Like I need. Uh, don't don't engage with me right now. <laughs> I need some me time so you could use that to make it easier for others to understand oh, and also get out and get some fresh air in between. That was also extremely helpful to like, you know, switch from all the content and all the information and just mm -hmm. and just, you know, do a recharge of your batteries. And this could be really helpful. Um, so I, I think it's worth following some of those tips when you prepare for Yep. of attending that uh, that type of event.
Yeah, I, I even I even uh, tend to think about things just from like a health conscious perspective. You know, like when if I go to like a big conference like that, I ensure a couple of things. Number one, high protein. Number two, low oh. carbs. Um, number three, lots of water. You know, to because mm. you want to be able to because it's very easy to forget to eat or to grab a candy bar or whatever, and you know at that point, you're not going to be as focused. You're not going to be as in it. Right. So yeah, I I always make sure I'm like, I'm getting my workouts in, in the morning. I'm, you know, eating a lot of protein as much as possible, bringing shakes with me if I can, you know, lots of water, low carbs. So I'm not, you know, feeling dragged out at the end Mm. of the day. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my little tidbit in terms of staying focused (laughs) at a big conference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the other things that, that I saw pop up a lot and, you know, for me, I, I do stay up with the latest and greatest, but at the same time, a big focus point for me, for my content, for my consulting, for my training is utilizing Kubernetes in production, which means mm. what's in production is usually not the latest and greatest, what's hot and what's alive right now. <clears throat> but one of the things that continues to pop up, and I am, despite popular belief from everybody else... I am still slightly on the fence about is Wasm. Mm. So what, what what is kind of your take on, because I heard there was a lot of Wasm talk at, at KubeCon. And I'm, I am curious on number one, is that true? Because I wasn't there. Number two, what is your take on it? Yeah, uh, this, this is true. So there was like a separate WASM day during the same collocated events that were happening the day before the event. And even during the, um, the conference itself, there have been quite a few talks like about WASM and how you could use it in Kubernetes to like run even uh, more lightweight, uh, lightweight applications. And I need to say that I haven't attended many of those sessions basically due to the priorities uh, that I had to make in terms of what content I would like to listen to uh, most. But there was one that I attended mostly for fun. Uh, because there were uh, there were people from a, uh, a German company called Liquid Reply, and they had a, one of these robots from Boston Dynamics with them, and they were talking about the project that they are working on right now, where they are building a. Uh, where they're creating a Kubernetes cluster on top of the kind of software from Boston Dynamics. And Mm -hmm. then they're using Wasm uh, for the the applications that will be running on those clusters. So kind of at edge on every robot where you could like run your applications that could help you perform stuff uh, that can help those robots, for instance, uh, doing the, the tasks that you may need to for them to do like checking pipes or doing mm. some construction work or whatever. And that was like a super interesting, interesting use case because in, in that case they were showing like how Wasm could help uh, you create um, very small uh, applications that could still help you achieve your goals. But uh, you know that there is not much space and resources to go on when it comes to building something on top of the of a robot. So I think this is a very, uh, a very interesting use case uh, here that we we get to hear more on the, more about and that was not about the production use case just yet but that that was planned so but if if we talk in general like it 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 definitely will be a 
more bigger and more dis uh, more discussions on this uh, on mm -hmm. this topic. And I know there are many top uh, like discussions on WASM replacing uh, Docker, mm -hmm. WASM replacing Kubernetes, and I I I would I would say that I don't think that this is necessarily true. I think that mm -hmm. WASM could be used like a an additional technology in combination with Kubernetes in order to to build more, once again, build more resource efficient uh, workloads that you could run everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting that you bring that up about the the WASM replacing containers or, or Kubernetes. And I, I do want to touch on that because I hear it a lot and I've, I've been asked the, the question before and I think it doesn't make sense to me that the question's being asked, to be honest, uh, or not that it's no. being asked, but that it's being brought up, like that idea is being brought up. And the 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 reason why is because, so again, I'm not a WASM expert, right? But I, I do understand no. the concept. And you have, you have two pieces of this, right? You have the front end and then you have the server side piece. So the front end, it makes sense because, you know, the the web is built on JS and it would be really nice to be able to build the web in Go or in Rust or whatever. Mm. And and that's kind of, you know, the, the front end pieces, that's what Wasm gives us. It gives us the ability to write web-based apps in whatever language we want. Now, mm. when we think about the server side piece, it is the ability to essentially whatever language you want to write in, write it in it run it through wasm it's all the same at the end which is a beautiful mm. thing because you know how many times have you i been in the discussion of walking into a room and we should write this in python no we should write this in go no this 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 team no uh, knows go so we got to write it in go mm. and and vice versa so the ability mm. to you know write you know it's like me saying you know what you write it in any language you want because it's going through wasm and it's going to be the same at the end regardless. That's a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that it will take some time for organizations to do that simply because they already have their application stacks in place. So if you're a new organization, you can absolutely do that right now. If you are an organization that has, you know, code already written and applications out there, you can do it as well. But of course, this is going to be a migration process. Same thing with moving from VMs to the cloud. Same thing with moving from uh, VMs to, to containerized, right? The, it's it's possible. It just takes some time. So I think we're we're not going to see it mainstream in production for uh, I'll say three to five years, give or take, depending on how popular it ends up becoming. That's just my opinion. Mm. But on on the on the the question that constantly comes up of it's going to replace Kubernetes or it's going to replace containers. We're talking about running applications here. So an application needs to run somewhere and it needs to be orchestrated in some way, shape or form. So Wasm is not an orchestrator. Wasm is not a containerized solution. Wasm is not serverless. Wasm is not a VM. So you got to run it somewhere. You can take that code and maybe you want to run it in serverless and not use Kubernetes. Fine. But if you still want to orchestrate containers in that fashion and you still want to write code that is going to run in a container... Wasm isn't going to replace that. And if you're going to run it in mm. a container, you still need to orchestrate it. So whatever orchestrator you want to go with, Nomad, Swarm, mm. Kubernetes, whatever, you still have to orchestrate it. So, and, and that's, 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 that's the reason why I feel that it's not going to hit production right away because mm. um, the, 
the, I don't want to say the wrong questions are being asked because that's not fair. It's not that the wrong questions are being asked. It's that the technology is not fully understood yet. And because, and you know, and we're seeing that with questions like it's going to, or the statements like it's going to replace Kubernetes because those, those statements are still being said. It shows that the technology is still not a hundred percent known yet and therefore cannot be in production yet. Uh, what, what, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I just gave a ton of opinions that everybody probably <laughs> disagrees with, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think you bring up uh, really valid points because WebAssembly is still an emerging technology. And even if we talk about Kubernetes, right, it's still in the adoption phase. It's still emerging. Uh, and uh, it takes it takes years to get that. And many organizations would, would maybe want to see the technology mature and maybe hear from the early adopters on like the challenges and the pros and cons of it. So this will take time before the community uh, will understand the use cases which it can be used in and like the same like with chat gpt that it will replace developers you know that's uh, that's also the question that that got being popped up that at the time it was it was released as well so i think those questions will be there all the all the time and i think the the goal here would be to provide enough information that could clarify the use cases where uh, for instance, WebAssembly uh, could could bring value to to the organizations, and I think, for instance, like N Nigel Paulton and the mm -hmm. the effort he makes in like explaining explaining this and trying to clarify some of these opinions is uh, is totally really valuable for the community. So, if like uh, if you are interested in learning more, I would totally recommend checking his resources out because I think it's really it's really interesting I'm not a wasm expert myself but at least uh, it kind of helps to get a better understanding of the of, of the scenarios where it could it could be beneficial to test it out but I also think that it will take some time bef before we see it more more adopted in production the more we the more awareness we get probably the more organizations will uh, will attempt uh, running it uh, in production as well with time yeah no totally agree with you couldn't agree more all right so we are at 30 minutes so what i want to do is before we wrap up christina i want to ask you in your opinion top three things to take away from kubecon mm. <laughs> is it even possible to reduce it to three to three top things uh let's uh, let's see let's see let's see like i think we said service mesh is definitely one right that was one service of the mesh things. is one yeah. Um, the second one that I maybe it's my very subjective opinion, but since I'm being asked, I will just put it out there. It's the uh, environmental sustainability. Mm. That's the second one. Um, and the third one, I would say it's GitOps, actually, GitOps yeah. and platform engineering, because there were some great panel discussions there. And I've seen full rooms on the sessions related to GitOps and GitOps in production and at scale, which we didn't get to touch so much uh, here. But I would definitely recommend to check out some of the recordings once those those appear on YouTube as well. Makes sense. Those are uh, top three uh, highlights of, of the content uh, during KubeCon and awesome. native con. 
Cool. Well, Christina, thank you so much as always for coming on the show, being a host, etc. For everybody that's listening for the first time, Christina will be on the shows moving forward. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Christina. Thank you so much, Michael.